I am Rachel Hajduk. I'm one of the pastors here at Euless First United Methodist Church, and we are so glad that you are here to worship with us today. It's an exciting day in the life of our congregation. Um, we have our one service here, and then after we're done, we invite everybody out to our new property at 1001 West Ash Lane, and we will have a ceremony, and we will have lunch out there, and there's a bounce house, and we know it's going to be hot, so we have tried to plan everything as much as possible in the shade, and then we will have just a little time out in the property to do the digging, but we will move back and make sure we do as much as we can in the shade of a tent, as well as um, we hope to have a couple fans out there to get a little bit of air moving. Um, we, it's just it's just Texas, right? Like, it's just hot. That's all we can do. And we have had so many people that have helped and participated in making sure today works, and something's going to go wrong, and it's going to be amazing no matter what, because that's just the way that life is. So we're so glad you're here with us today and can celebrate with us and all that's going to happen. I want to lift up a couple announcements for you in the life of our church. Inside of our bulletin, we have all of the announcements that are currently going on, as well as a calendar, um, a pray list, prayer list of things that you can pray for every single day. Um, and, um, of course, what we're going to do today in worship. Um, but I want to lift up two announcements for you, um, especially today. We are a congregation that is on the cusp of doing something brand new, and we want to make sure that every part of our team is ready to handle this new change and to do something new. And so next Sunday after worship, we are having a training for ushers and greeters, and we could use your help if you're able to help with those areas so that we know that together we're worshiping God, we're welcoming people, because this is all a ministry, that we are encouraging and inviting new people to be a part of our church. So if you've been an usher for years or a greeter for years, or you would be willing to try it for the first time, we invite you to come and join us so that we can all be on the same page about what God is calling us to do and how we do that ministry. We need lots of people to volunteer in different areas, whether it's in youth or children or ushers or greeters. We are all asking everybody to pitch in and do more so that we can get ready for this big move. Um, I want to lift up a second very important announcement. We have a new staff member. Um, Rachel Muma has joined our team. She is our new director of youth ministries, and we are excited for her here. Um, take a moment. Um, sometime today to stop and introduce yourself and meet her and then do not expect her to remember your name right away because it'll be a lot of names and a lot of people that she's working with and doing um, but she has already gone to youth last Sunday and she'll be going to youth today and we're already trying to get her geared up for what that's going to be and we're excited about where the future will hold for all of that ministry. Um, we again are so grateful that you're here with, uh, here with us in worship and we invite you now to stand and join me in our call to worship. This is the day the Lord acted. We will rejoice and celebrate in it. Lord, please save us. Lord, please let us succeed. Lord is God. God has shined the light on us. I am the music minister here. We are going to be singing My Hope is Built on Nothing Less Hymn 368 followed by 370 victory in Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest prank, but holy name 
seated. As you are seated, children, it is your time to come forward. We're going to sing the chorus, praise him, praise him, all ye little children. Praise him, praise him, all ye little children. God is love, God is love. Praise Him, praise Him, all ye little children. God is love, God is love. Good morning. How are y'all this morning? Good, great, and tired. That's what I got up here. Cool. My name is Jamie Nally, and I'm the director of children's ministries here. And I have a question, and I'm going to tell you right now. First of all, you know, kind of block them out. But there's no wrong answer, okay? Why do you come to church? 
to praise God, to worship God, to pray, to be with God. They are given all the token, yeah, good Sunday morning answers. I really expected because my mom made me. Um, because I was told I couldn't play my video games if I didn't. I actually expected a few of them up here saying, well, you work here, so, or my mom and dad have to work, so that's why I'm here. Um, but y'all did really good ones. Do you know why I come to church? I know they're, you work here, there you go. Yes, but even if I didn't, I would still come to church on Sunday mornings because I need the church to help me grow in my relationship with God. I could sit at home, I could get my Bible out, and I could read it, but that's not enough for me. I need to interact with other people who also read the Bible, who also maybe have a different understanding of things that are in the Bible. Does everybody up here understand the Bible completely? No? Okay, good, because I don't either. In the Bible, people lived over 100 years, right? I don't get that. Except, you know, they had more active lifestyles back then. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't always know the answer either. So, but I need other people that may know something different than I do. Just like when I'm teaching you all, I get a different perspective. So I get a different view of the Bible. Because you guys have ideas that I hadn't thought of. And so it makes me think. So, let me see if I can get everything without spilling anything. There it is. Okay. Will you help me? Will you hold that? Okay. Okay, we have to hold it up to the back. There we go. Okay, here I have an example of two different plants. Besides their containers, what's different? Okay, these haven't grown yet, but this one, that's kind of pretty, isn't it? Yeah? You know, can you think of maybe why? Why hasn't these grown? Why haven't these grown? Sorry for that grammar, that was awful. Um, why haven't these? They have, they what? There are seeds in there. I know, that one popped up. Yeah. Nevaeh? Well, you would think so, but this is actually biodegradable, and they recommend seeds be planted in, like, cardboard egg container. I know, I learned a lot these last few weeks. <laughs> so, but why? What's the difference? Do you have? Hold on. Ian? I planted them before. That could have been an idea. Why else? It takes a while, but... These flowers were actually nurtured. They were given the proper sunlight. They were given the proper temperature. Is your arm getting ready to fall off? Okay, you can switch arms or switch people. Okay. They were given, um, this one was probably given plant food, whereas these were put in a cold, dark environment. They were kind of watered, but not totally. But I bet if these were taken care of, that they would sprout and grow into beautiful flowers. That's kind of what 
churches, I'll take it back now. That's kind of like what church is for us, isn't it? We have to nurture what we have. We can plant all the seeds in the world, but unless we nurture it and give it the proper nutrients and sunlight and temperature, it's not going to grow, is it? So that's why, that's another reason why we come to church. It helps us grow. Make sense? Yeah. Will you all pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for giving us the tools to help us nurture and grow. Help us to remember that we need those things, but we can also be the light and the food and the warmth that somebody else needs to grow in their journey with you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hi. My name's Steve Hyduke. I'm one of the pastors here at Euless First United Methodist Church. I think if somebody asked me this morning how I was doing, I probably would have answered good, great, and tired all at the same time, which is not really relevant to what we're about to do. We're going to a time of prayer. I want to call your attention to the Grow, Pray, Study Guide inside the bulletin for today, for each day this week. There's a scripture reading. There's also a prayer focus. The prayer focus for today is we pray that we may choose life every day with joy. Now, whatever else um, might fire in your brain about choosing life, for now, for our prayer time, I want you to invite to, to, I want to invite you to think of choosing life entirely in terms of your own choices that you make for how you live and how you present yourself. We're church. Our mission is to help people follow Jesus a bit better today than yesterday. I suggest that we can only do that if we are continually and regularly choosing life ourselves. So, in addition to whatever else is on your prayer plate this morning, I invite you to invite God to help you live in a way that chooses life with every breath and every step. So, let's go to God together in prayer. Good and great God, we are grateful for all the ways that you have been present and real and encouraging and challenging and convicting and blessing and uplifting and forgiving for us this week. Many of us have a tendency to see you as mostly angry and disappointed with us. But we gather this morning to start our week with a reminder that however disappointed you are with us, us, it all comes in the context that we see so clearly in Jesus, that you love us, that you desire the kind of life for us that would feel joyful and fulfilling, and that also might reach the rest of the world with this good news of Jesus that we know, that we are beginning and trying more deeply to live in every day. And so, God, we don't have to tell you because you know, but we have failed from time to time. And even when we have tried, we regularly miss the mark of the way that we know you have created us to live. So we ask your forgiveness. We ask your healing. We ask you to help us more clearly identify our own brokenness so that we can then 
learn and rejoice in the healing that you offer us in and through your Holy Spirit. So God, as we start this week off with worship, we present ourselves to you. We're here this morning, God, and we worship you with our hearts and our minds and our souls in worship and praise and thanksgiving. We're grateful for your goodness and mercy that has brought us this far. We're eager to see what directions you lead us this coming week. So God, we ask your blessing and guidance on our lives as we give the rest of this time and this morning to you that you might fill our spiritual tanks, that you might give us a deeper and a clearer glimpse of the kingdom and how we might be a part of it. God, for all the frustration or anxiety or challenges that we bring with us, we ask you to help us have the courage to leave them here at the foot of the cross and rise and walk forth with you. God, we ask that by the Holy Spirit's leading, our lives would be choosing the life that you have given to us. We pray for our neighbors, that we would see you in them and that they would see you in us. We pray for South Euless Elementary and Lakewood Elementary and all the children and all the teachers and all the staff. God, that you would be real in all of the ways that only you can to bring hope and help in those communities that we live to support. God, for all the opportunities that you give us to be a part of what you're doing, we are grateful. And for this opportunity this morning to gather in worship, we are grateful. Hear us now, God, as we pray the way that Jesus taught his disciples always to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. My name is Cindy Ballantyne, and I'll be reading our scripture this morning from Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. And then the second reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims to all the exiles I have carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens and eat what they produce. Get married and have children. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase in number there so that you don't dwindle away. Promote the welfare of this city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because your future depends on its welfare. From Matthew, therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Aren't you, much, aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his splendor, wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow, it's thrown into the furnace. Won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things we will be given to you as well. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh uh-huh. 
stand together. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Hymn number 2015 in your small hymnal. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Then there's so much energy today with this groundbreaking thing going on. It, it, it makes a part of me think we should do this every Sunday. On the other hand, this groundbreaking has been a long time coming. And for some of you who have been here a long time, I don't know the half of it. So we'll just move on with this day. Please pray with me. Great and glorious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight because you and you only, God, are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I learned something this summer. A Diet Coke, so many of my sermons start this way. A, a Diet Coke at a McDonald's on the Las Vegas Strip costs four times what it does in the McDonald's right over here. And apparently it's worth it because I wasn't the only one that got one. It's worth it like the hot dog you might buy at Jerry World if you're going to this afternoon's game costs 14 bucks and tastes worse than the hot dog you could make at home. Because what's fair and reasonable in one place is not always to our sensibilities what's fair and reasonable someplace else. And we might as well learn to live with that because whether we like it or not, it's the way the world is. Now, I'm not saying that hot dog prices at sporting events or amusement parks 
or Diet Coke prices at fast food joints on the strip are justified, but it does us no good to spin our wheels or develop any level of righteous anger to try to do something about that because as the world goes, what seems fair and reasonable in one place may not seem fair and reasonable in another place. And I, I think this is crucial. If the gospel of Jesus tells us anything, our first job is not to find what's fair and reasonable for us. This is one of very few messages in which it makes a lot of sense to read Psalm 137. And you might have to be a Bible nerd to even know what I'm saying just from Psalm 137. But we're going there today. Take that. So the Old Testament reading of the prophet Jeremiah starts in uh, chapter 29. And I want to read just this key verse. But first I want to set the stage for what's going on in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, wrote on God's behalf, proclaiming the word of God to the people which is the meaning of prophecy in the Bible. In the Bible, prophecy does not mean predicting or foretelling the future. In the Bible, prophecy means presenting the word of God. So Jeremiah is presenting the word of God to Judah before, while they're in Jerusalem and all of Judah and having a great time. Well, that, that's debatable, but beside the point. And during and after... Nebuchadnezzar comes and rips them out of their homeland and takes them off to Babylon. So the part that was read this morning, Jeremiah 29, is after God's people have been taken from their homeland. They are, the biblical theological term is, in exile, which means their opinions of what's fair and reasonable don't matter for squat. Nobody in Babylon cares. In fact, You might be able to imagine God's people have trouble dealing with this. So much trouble that this psalm, we're going to go to Psalm 137 before we go to Jeremiah 29, that this psalm made it in the scriptures for this reason. God's people should always know what it feels like to live utterly in exile, even if in the moment they don't live that way. So here's an expression by the psalmist of what it felt like to live in exile in Babylon when Jeremiah wrote the words that we're going to get to. Alongside Babylon's streams, there we sat down, crying because we remembered Zion. We hung our lyres up in the trees there because that's where our captors told us, asked us to sing. Our tormentors requested songs of joy. Sing us a song about Zion, they said. But how could we possibly sing the Lord's song on foreign soil? You can read the rest of it. There's not a lot longer, but we've got ground to break, so... Psalm 137. So it's, it's two people for whom that psalm resonated deeply that Jeremiah writes, Promote the welfare of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because your future depends on its welfare. Now, here's the challenge for us today, this morning, and every day, but especially as we consider, as Euless First United Methodist Church, relocating from this space and, and today breaking ground ceremonially to celebrate the building of our new building. But here's 
the context that we have to read all of today's events in, we're still in exile. We're God's people. We're still in exile. So the Jewish people that had been hauled off to Babylon and forced, asked to sing by their captors, sing us songs of joy, they couldn't do that. We're, we may not be in that kind of exile, but when they were allowed, even sent back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, to rebuild the city, up through the time of Jesus, they were in their land, but they were not in charge. A succession of other rulers ruled over God's people, even in their promised land. So they were home, but it still wasn't theirs. That's the situation in which Jesus was born, in which Jesus lived, and beauty of the gospel for us today is that Jesus spoke into the setting of people who, even if things seem to be going well, we're still not in charge or in control. And I would argue that Jesus doesn't even want us to be in charge or in control. Jesus wants us in whatever setting we're in to promote the welfare of the city in which we find ourselves. Pray to the Lord for its welfare because our welfare depends on it. A friend of mine, a guy I went to seminary with, George Acevedo, has written this book recently about neighboring in which he says that it is incumbent for a church, maybe look at it this way, um, to find the hurt of the community in which you live and be part of addressing it. So what is the hurt of the community around us and how do we address it? Not in how do we take charge and solve the problem because one of the ways that Christians historically have tried to address the hurt is we define it by saying things like, well, the hurt is that people need Jesus. Now, I will not deny that some hurt comes if people need and don't know they need Jesus, but since we don't live in this place of privilege and being able to decide and proclaim what is fair and right, it behooves us, I think that's the second time I've used behooves in a sermon, it behooves us, do you follow me? It, it's on us to seek what the hurt is in our community by asking people, by inviting people to tell us their stories. Now, if somebody tells you their hurt is because they don't know Jesus, awesome. But if they tell you their hurt is because their family is broken beyond their imagination, don't just throw Jesus at them. Throw the kind of church family that you found here at them. Bring the kind of church family that you've experienced here to people to help them realize that however they express their hurt, this kind of community can be a part of finding healing for that hurt. You know, we, we've got someone in our church who very recently has decided to, to take up and start this ambassadors program. And many others of you have volunteered to be a part of this, where the people who can't be among us in physical presence regularly the people that could otherwise be lost on the fringes, our ambassadors are going to make sure they don't feel that lostness. Or if they do, we're going to reach to them and let them know we still see them as part of the, part of the church family, part of the family of God. Also, a couple of you have taken on this idea recently of all these kids that we've sent off to college. They're going to get care packages from us periodically because we don't want them to think that just because they're out of sight, they're out of mind. These are all ways that we, 
try to be aware of the hurt in the community around us, and then seek out ways that we can be a part of healing the hurt in the community around us. Because we are called to promote the welfare of the city in which God has placed us, and because we're still, in some way or another, people in exile. We are still, as God's people have been since Babylon, we are still, in some sense or another, living at the mercy of the people around us. So, if you're living at the mercy of someone else, how would you treat them to receive mercy in response? And then your notes blank out because you haven't been looking at your screen for a while. One of our babysitters, I went to pick up uh, sometime a few weeks ago and was, was driving into our house. And you, uh, you know, school, the school year just started. Most of you are aware of that? Okay. Her school year just started. She's, I believe, a high school junior. And she is, I think, what you would call um, a theater nerd. Some of you have been there. She's so excited about the, her school's fall musical, and she's all up in it. And she said that she had experienced this real change in her teacher this year. Last year, her teacher was the kind that when you got to class or when you got to rehearsal, um, the teacher made it known, all of your time here is my time. So if I'm not finished with you when the bell rings, you better stay where you are. In the evening, if you've stayed till 9.30 rehearsal because that's when I told you it was over, then that's when we'll quit rehearsing and when you sit patiently till it's your turn to be told by me what's next. It was a little frustrating, I heard. But this high school junior told me that this teacher started this year with a different tone. She started this year, the first session of this year of, of recognizing with this statement, listen, I want to respect your time and your desire to be a part of what we're doing here. So I'm going to get you out of on time in class and at rehearsals, and we'll find other ways to make up for all the things that I have been making you do otherwise. And you might be able to imagine the difference in spirit that this high school junior presented that simple change on the part of the teacher. Because the teacher had taken this step to recognize the need to treat her students with respect. I'm convinced that promoting the welfare of the city in which God has sent us means finding, not only finding the hurt in the community around us, but then finding ways to treat the people in our community with respect so that they will share with us the hurts that they are feeling. And then we can be a part of meeting the needs and healing the hurts. And we get so distracted. I want to share Jesus' words with you from Matthew 6 to help you because uh, I don't know about you, but I wish, I wish this teaching in Matthew could be magic. However, I've found that when somebody tells me, don't worry, I can't just say, oh man, thank you. Now I'll never worry again. But Jesus said to the people, therefore I say to you, and notice, it doesn't say that he's talking to the church people. He's talking as Jesus did to anyone who will listen. Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body or what, what you'll wear. Isn't life worth more than food 
and the body more than clothes. And then just for brevity's sake, skip to the end of the next verse. The point, Jesus' summary is, aren't you worth much more than he talks about in between here, birds of the sky? Aren't you worth much more than they? Do you have a grasp, even an inkling, of how much you are worth to God? When you start to worry, when you start to get upset, when you start to show outrage about how unfair and unjust and unright McDonald's prices or Jerry World prices or, or, or the way you're treated or anybody else is treated, when you start to feel the outrage, remember, aren't you worth more to God than all those issues? So how do you do that? How do you, how do you keep that perspective in this world where fair and just and right are not the same everywhere and not the same to everybody, and we live in exile. We don't live in a place where we get to decide and then declare everything's the way we want it to be. Here's how you do it. You have cats, and you put them in the garage overnight. <laughs> I don't know if you have cats. We have two. Even when we had one cat, I, Rachel had a cat when we were married, so I got a step cat to start with, and, and things were cool for a while, but... When a cat wakes you up at 3 a.m. by licking your eyelids, something's got to give. Yeah, to be fair, okay, Wesley did not lick my eyelids. Full disclosure. But from that point on, how do cats spend their nights in the garage? The downside of that is cats don't know not to walk on cars. At least our cats don't. So it is not unusual for me to drive anywhere, especially after my car has spent a night in the garage, with cat paw prints on my windshield. Thankfully, the cat paw prints are never so vile or disgusting that I can't see through them unless I get focused on and preoccupied about the cat footprints on my windshield. And I noticed on the way here Tuesday, and I'm still fine, so the story's going to have a happy ending, I noticed that I can get so preoccupied by these even faint paw prints on my windshield that I can't see what's on the other side of the window. But if I get that preoccupied on this stuff that's in the middle, then it's on me. It's not, well, it's on the window, but it's not, it's not the window's fault. You gotta watch your prepositions. They can be so tricky. So I don't know what the cat footprints on the windshield of your life are that keep you from recognizing how much you are worth to God. That keep you from knowing that we don't live as God's people in a way that we get to decide what's fair and right. In fact, in Philippians 2, two weeks in a row I've referred to this. Philippians 2, Jesus is described as somebody who chose not to live that way. The Philippians 2 hymn is one of the earliest recorded uh, writings of the Christian faith, and it, it refers to Jesus as deciding that equality with God is not something to be held on to, so he emptied himself of it and became a human. 
So all the claim to decide what's fair and just and right, Jesus gave up to reach us with good news. That's how much we're worth to God. And that's the way Jesus invites us to live. So whatever is attempting to block your view or really gain your focus and not let you see the world beyond that, the way God has for us, don't let the misfocus distract you. Please pray with me. God, we would rather be in charge and declare what is right and what is fair and what is good and make everybody live that way. And God, we promise we would seek your guidance if we had that power and control. But help us to hear that the good news of Jesus is not seeking power and control, but seeking the welfare of the people that you have sent us to live among. Especially, God, as we look forward to the relocating of this church to live among a specific different neighborhood, help us even now to begin the kinds of practices that help us promote the welfare of the city in which you've called us to live. We look forward to your help, God, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers are coming forward to receive our offering.